Welcome to My Property World, a light and informative look at all things property. We have designed this series for people involved in property and property finance in the UK market. However, we do take examples from all around the property world. Our aim is for us to make money from property together. Whether that be buying, selling, financing, trading or getting involved in a deal in another way. We do this by informing, entertaining and enjoying ourselves talking property, which gives you a chance to get to know us, what we're up to and to check us out until you're ready to make money together. In the meantime, My Property World is free and fun, so plug in your headphones and enjoy. We would love for you to like, share and comment, so please do on social media. And if you have questions, ideas for topics or deals you would like to explore, we're always looking for guests, so get in touch via the My Property World profile. Hello, I'm Will Mallard and this is My Property World. Today we're joined by Stuart Thomas. Stuart is with Full Circle Property and he can be found at Full Circle Property, I beg your pardon, at fullcirclemanagement.co.uk. That website address again, fullcirclemanagement.co.uk. So Stuart, you're very welcome to My Property World podcast. Thank you, Will. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So Stuart has a, um, a background which we'll go into a, um, a bit of detail. It's really interesting how he got into property and it's even more interesting some of the things he's been doing since getting into property investment full time. So Stuart, do you want to fill us in on um, what you did before um, you started investing in property? Yeah, absolutely. I was in the army for eight years. I was a Royal Signals captain with the British Army and I left in 2013. And it was around that time actually that I started to invest in property. Uh, We bought our first property at auction um, back in 2013. And it was a bit of a necessity really. We needed somewhere to live. I had moved to, to London to start my second career in the in the corporate world and it really just progressed from there because we bought the first property at uh, an auction we lived there for a little bit then we changed that to a buy to let and then we moved into our our family home which is where we've been ever since and like a lot of people you then just got the uh, the bug and thought well actually this is something that uh, that really does work so and just just delving back into the army days yes. uh, you you were a captain in the british army yes yeah absolutely loved it um i originally signed up for for 3 years thinking it would just be a short stint and stayed because it was just i mean it's the time of my life in uh, in all honesty Got to do some great things. Went to the Falklands for the 25th anniversary of um, of the conflict. So that was uh, yeah, that was good. Um, a, a great experience, and it was some of the last time that, uh, that those veterans were able to uh, to get out there. Did the usual thing like Afghanistan, um, and I think my my crowning moment was uh, was being the operations officer for running the military comms for the Olympics in 2012. So had quite a, a diverse um, experience. And then you get all the great stuff as well, like snowboarding and you know, expeditions. I went to Mount Annapurna. Um, so it's, it's, it's a hell of a lot of fun. 
Um, but at some point you realize, actually, I packed a load of things in boxes eight years ago and haven't seen them since. And I've lived in 12 places in, in eight years and, and you just want to settle down a little bit. I get you. And, and the, um, what, what you did as a job, a, a signals captain, what, what's actually involved in that? Like, it, it sounds fascinating. Uh, it, it is, but, but it's also, again, uh, I suppose it's the, the, the story of my, my life, really, diversity in the things that I've done. And I had five or six jobs whilst, a, uh, whilst an officer, and they were all different, really. But the crux of being a, um, a Royal Signals officer is to manage the soldiers and the systems to communicate on, on the battlefield, um, you know, not at the tactical level, because generally that's left to... The, um, the the fighting troops, um, but to make sure that you have communications between those headquarters and your bigger headquarters um, to set up that mesh of uh, comms, you know, voice, data, and uh, and so forth. So you can almost think of it as um, as as BT, but um, in the field in a uh, in a foreign land, you know, setting up all the necessary. Um, comms channels that uh, that you would need to to mount and sustain an operation. Okay, and that that's um, so. Fast forward to today, and we're we're talking about uh, how to pick uh, the right property uh, yes. for your next property investment. So location, location, as they say. Yeah, what, absolutely. What, what would you say is the uh, the, the the steps in the process at, at a high level? I think the the first thing you need to think about is is what is your your overarching strategy? What do you actually want to go and achieve? Um, because you know, people might say, you know, buy the worst property on the best street, um, which, you know, that absolutely has its merits, but then clearly you're talking about taking a property and going and undertaking a refurbishment um, project which not everyone wants to do. Uh, it does seem to be very in vogue, the, you know, the BRR, the buy, refurb, refinance model, which is something that we very much do, but a lot of people don't have the time, the inclination or, or the money to uh, to go and do that. So you need to think about your, your goals and strategies, what your, your tenant group is, you know, what you're looking for in terms of capital growth, in terms of yield. And once you have that detail, then you can start drilling into the location that fits your goals and strategy. Okay, so, so get clear what the other end looks like. Absolutely, because if you go on right move at the moment, there's anywhere between 800,000 and a million properties that, uh, that are there. So if that's the start of your journey, you'll just get overwhelmed. And you know, there's no way that you can process that level of information. So you need to find a way of, um, of very much drilling down into that and finding your, your niche and, and location is part of that niche. So could we, could we delve into a, a case study? Uh, and so we've got a little bit of meat on the bone. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll give you an example of, um, of a property that we bought um, in between Leeds and Bradford. And this was about, I think it was you know, four, five, six years ago. And it's one of the things about when you're, you're looking at location is it, the location that you're 
looking at it's a lot of people will talk about areas and areas for growth and so forth it has to work for you as well so if someone talks about a location that's actually 250 260 miles away from you well that it might tick all the other boxes but actually it might not be right for you now i was doing a lot of work in in leeds at the time so leeds is is an area that um you know has a lot of projected growth it is one of those areas that people invest in so we had a lot a lot of a lot of time looking at Leeds and Bradford, and they do. They have a lot of back-to-back -back houses, as uh, as they're called. They require quite a bit of maintenance to uh, to, to do, and to um, you know make sure that actually it's a property that um, that is fit for human habitation. Quite frankly, and, and, and so just so uh, listeners are, are clear, what you're talking about, you're talking about. Uh, terraced properties that uh, back on to other terraced properties. Yes, yeah, yeah, ab absolutely. And um, yeah, they're not everywhere, um, but certainly you know, Leeds have uh, have a lot of them. And it's fixed student location as well. And it really wasn't the type of, of thing that we were we were looking at. So we actually started looking at um, a couple of states, estates um that were relatively new and there was a little place called tong which is in between leeds and bradford and this estate was built in about 2007 2008 which was at the height of uh the uh, the, the last recession that that we had and they were new build properties and the location is perfectly placed between leeds and bradford you need a car to uh, to be able to, uh, to to go and commute, which was great from our perspective because it took out the student population, which is not what we were looking for. And we had a number of uh, you know interesting properties that uh, that were there, and we settled on this three bed, semi detached property, and. We bought it for, I think it was 88 and a half thousand pounds. And originally it sold as a new build for 112,000. Location wise, you can get into uh, in, into Leeds city centre within about 15 or, or, or 20 minutes. And the same for, for Bradford the other way. So it really fit into what we were looking at for that, uh, that working professional that we were after. And the reason that was useful for us, because I live in London and Whilst we have a diversified portfolio all over the, the UK, at that particular time, and especially when working, I didn't want anything that required a great deal of work from the off because I just didn't have the time, um, or frankly, the inclination uh, at that point to, uh, to go and undertake a, a refer project. So location-wise, absolutely perfect for the types of tenants that I was looking for. Yeah, it's it's interesting that uh, that whole idea of what are you what are you wanting at the other end. Uh, I had a conversation uh, yesterday with someone who was talking about buying um, a holiday home. Yeah, uh, and um, I, I asked them what they mean, and they said uh, maybe a barn conversion. <laughs> what immediately went through my mind uh, was that um, that sounds like a job, not a holiday. Yes, <laughs> yeah, very much so. Um, 
but, but it, uh, there's a, a lot of romance in the in the end concept, I suppose. Um, exactly, and, and that's that's the challenge. Sometimes you got to take the emotion out of it, and when you're looking at it from an investment perspective, it's four walls and a roof, and you know it's it's an investment that's wrapped up in bricks and mortar. And when you're looking at barn conversion, I'd love to live in a barn conversion. I'd love to live in one. I don't think the uh, the you know, I would want to invest in one and, um, you know, and, and rent it out. I can imagine it comes with a lot of challenges. And so sourcing stock, um, you, what, how do you go about it? So you've mentioned right move. Any other uh, channels or approaches that you've had success with? Yeah, I think it's very important to keep an open mind when you're, you're looking at, at property. And, and also not to to dismiss things because a lot of people, you know, a lot of people who, who work in property will say, you know, let's let's not look at right move, let's look at off-market properties. And there's not this massive pool of our off-market property. So looking on, on, on right move and, and zoopla is absolutely a valid way of uh, of looking at things. Um, the way that we've had a lot of success is buying through auction. We probably bought half our portfolio through uh, through auction. And we bought you know, uh, pre-auction, post-auction, you know, whilst in the room. You know, we've um, you know, gone down the, uh, the online route as well. So pretty much everything um, that you can possibly do um, are an auction. And it has the great benefit that actually you can complete within 28 days if you're going down the traditional auction route, which is, which is good because it provides certainty. And you know, buying property um, through other means, and especially in the state agent, does take a, a hell of a long time. Um, and you know the other way is, is is looking at those those off market properties and telling people what you do, and then things come to you. So, as an example, we bought a flat in Braintree. And we bought that via auction, and whilst we were undertaking the uh, the refurb, we were speaking to the uh, the neighbour above, and he'd been trying to uh, to sell the property it was no longer on the market he'd just given up he wanted to move back to uh, to ireland and the reason the property fell kept falling through was because it had a, a short lease relatively short lease i think it was 68 years at the time so we saw this as a great opportunity we just bought the uh, the flat underneath um so we kept talking to him we made him an offer that was uh, acceptable to him and now we own both of those properties in in the same building um, we've extended both leases, um, and, and they're out to 168 years, I think, that uh, that they are now. And we've effectively got a um, a level of control over the building. Of course, there's a uh, there's a freeholder that's uh, that's there as well. But it means that we don't have any uh, any neighbours anymore. You know, we own both those properties. So, you know, I think. Telling people what you do and and telling people in the location that you you are your your neighbours and so forth is 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 a really good way of doing it. And as another example, we've uh, we've got a flat that we purchased last year in Gloucester, which is in a block of four. And I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to check that that, that um, it's not falling down uh, because I've had two of the other uh, leaseholders within the last week um, call me up and say, look, we're finished we're thinking of selling our flats are you interested in uh, in buying them 
And if we go down that route, clearly we have to, to appraise it and, and negotiate a, a deal that works for everyone. But if we did go down that route, then we would then own three of those flats in a block of four. And because it's a, a share of freehold, that would give us significant control. And again, those properties are, are not um, not advertised on uh, on right move. So I think uh, once you get into things and start telling people what you do and be consistent about it, then lots of opportunities come your way. Yeah, absolutely. And, and often uh, when you're uh, in a deal or you're um, you're in an estate in a in an area. Opportunities, you know, do come your way. Uh, we had a, a situation where, uh, in August 2020, we had contracted to uh, buy several blocks of flats in an estate, and the the uh, two more blocks uh, came up for auction in the same estate. Yeah. Uh, and because it was um, at the time, it was um, uh, there was all sorts of restrictions in terms of access uh, that there was uh, both both to do with the uh, the the seller's situation uh, and uh, also um, also to do with uh, lockdown restrictions and, and and so forth, and we ended up. Um, uh, it was an auction program, and we ended up uh, purchasing um, about an hour before the auction time. Um, and the, the, the process for doing that, uh, there's no way we would have had the confidence to do that if we weren't already in the deal in the same estate for uh, very comparable uh, other blocks um, of social housing that we're, we're focused on. Now, I've got a, I've got a um, you've just reminded me of a, um, a story about um, when, when I was much younger, I was in my, my early 20s, and I actually worked as an estate agent back in New Zealand. And okay. um, what, one of the first auction programs I ran was a property that um, was handed to me on my first day as a, an estate agent. And what what often happens in, in larger uh, branches is that the the new agent is given uh, whatever is left over from the last agent to leave that everyone else doesn't want. Of course. So, so I, I got a property that had been listed with our agency for over five years. Wow. Um, and it hadn't sold. So you can imagine how excited I was to get my first listing. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, totally vacant that this was not necessarily the easiest uh, uh, marketing program to run. But, no. but I, get, I got hold of the owner and it turned out that he'd had it listed with another agency for two or three years prior to the fives. Um, he'd moved on to uh, another city. So he was a remote landlord. And uh, I, uh, I suggested that we... Uh, we do a bit of marketing and he contributed some money for advertising uh, some open houses as part of a, a build up to an auction program. Now each weekend I would um, I would uh, I'll go along to the the property and the, the, the tenants um, the tenants would uh, head out for uh, for the day 
and I would do the open house at uh, you know ten o'clock. It might have been on Saturday morning, say. Um, and in the three or four weeks that we were running these, um, no one came through the property at all. No one inquired uh, once off any of the ads. And it, I think one of the mornings, someone pulled up outside. Um, and I, I looked quite excitedly out the, uh, out the front window. <laughs> and then they drove off without uh, getting out of the car. <laughs> So the day before the, the auction was due, um, I got a call from um, the tenant's representative, a, a lawyer, and the tenant uh, wanted to purchase the property prior to the auction okay. because they were scared that their property, which they'd lived in for the, the previous seven or eight years, was going to be sold. Yeah. And so we agreed a, uh, a price, which was a, um, it was a, a fair price on both sides. And it got me thinking um, a lot about how, um, how so th this person could have bought the property at any point through the whole period. Yes. But it came into their consciousness because of the auction program. Um, now, as a um, as uh, the seller, um, having having um, basically put the property on the market when uh, his relationship had uh, had split up, it allowed him to extract some equity that he could apply to get on with his life following a divorce. And the 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 power of of auctions. Um, uh, both as a buyer and a seller, um, it's an area that you've you've focused on quite heavily, haven't you, Stuart? Do, do you want to give us the uh, the the two minute rundown on on um, on before auction, on the day under the hammer, and after auction? Yeah, absolutely. And there there are three, as you've literally just outlined, there are three ways of, of purchasing, and. Most people will just think about being in the room. Clearly, we can't at the moment due to uh, due to COVID. But that's traditionally where you would uh, where you would be. And at that point in time, you have no room to negotiate. Clearly, you can you can bid on the uh, on the property, but you can't negotiate on uh, individually on on the price or any of the uh, the terms and and conditions. So you're competing with other people who are, who are in the room and ultimately it'll be whoever bids the uh, the highest gets the uh, gets the property um, and that's how most people just envision auctions however you can negotiate before and after auctions but you've got to get into the mind I think of of the seller because I see a lot of people who will look at auction properties before and, and put in you know a ridiculously low offer and what incentive does that actually give the uh, the seller they're going to look at that and think well okay you give me an offer that actually is pretty derisory well i'm going to go and take that auction and take it to auction and, and take my chances you have to offer them something that makes them actually think so they're looking at that and saying okay this is this is an offer. i can take this money now it's a bit like a game show really i can take this money now or i can take my chances i might get more but i might get less so if you're looking at something before auction, um, it's because you want to take out your competition. 
and you might have recognized something and, and secured the, the the property essentially absolutely absolutely and you might have recognized something that uh, that others may not have done and you don't want to get into uh, into that fight with with multiple people and to to push that price um up so securing that property um post auction it does it you know, it provides that certainty that you don't go have you don't have to go down through that uh, that process. It also means you know exactly what the price is going to be, rather than it being subjective. And of course, you can do this up to two or three weeks before the auction takes place. So it might be beneficial from a, a financial perspective as well, so you have time to uh, to arrange your finances. You'll almost certainly. Um, be under the same auction conditions, i.e. you'll need to complete within 28 days, although that is negotiable. But in terms of those terms and conditions, you don't have a particularly strong hand because actually their comeback from the seller will be, well, I'm just going to put it into uh, into the auction and you know, I'll be able to sell that um, within 28 days. But again, you can offer something, you, know, you might be able to complete in 14 days if you're a cash buyer, for example. So you always have to look at it from the mind of the seller, you have to make them make a decision about why they would sell that post auction rather than take their chances in the room. And then the other one that we've had particular success on is buying post auction. Now, there's clearly a risk on, on this that um, if you don't bid on it um, during the auction process, then clearly you know, someone else is gonna walk away with the, with the property. Um, I think we've bought four or five properties um, post-auction, but we've always had an eye on them during the auction. And I thought, well, when I have a look at the uh, the guide price and what I think the, the reserve might be, that works out quite well, but I don't really want to get into, uh, into, into a bidding war with someone. But if I can pick that up post-auction at a decent price, I've reduced my competition. And importantly, what I like about buying post-auction is you can negotiate the terms and conditions. So we bought a flat in Streatham two years ago, and we bought it around Easter time. And this is in South London. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, Streatham, South London. And uh, we bought it um, two or three weeks before Easter. And as, as per standard, um, you have uh, have 28 days to, to complete. We found up the, the auction house. We put an offer in, but I stipulated that it needed to be an eight-week completion because you've got Easter and there's three, three bank holidays within that period. So actually, um, your, your four weeks whittles down very, very quickly. And enabling us, sorry, negotiating that eight-week completion actually enabled us to put that on standard financing straight away. Um, so uh, we put that on a, um, a normal buy-to-let mortgage, and I was confident I'd be able to uh, to get that through within eight weeks. Within four weeks, we wouldn't have been able to do that. So we'd have we would have to have looked at cash, or bridging, or an alternative financing option. So buying post auction is great because you can negotiate on those those terms and conditions. Um, you know what the reserve price is, and as long as you have been watching the auction itself, you know what sort of level of competition that there is there. So 
it's in your favor you have more things that you have more information and you have more things that you can negotiate on post auction than you can in the room but clearly if it's something that you have your eye on and it's a property that you really want then you're going to have to either try and negotiate that before the auction or bid on it in the room because most properties sell and, and what you're what you're describing uh, revolves around uh, having a sense of value uh, for that specific property, which um, the, the valuation that you, you attach to something, because the, the, the whole idea in property investment is that you're, uh, you've got a, uh, uh, an idea as to what the, and the more accurate the idea is, as to what the uh, either end value or the level of cash flow and the cost to get to that level of cash flow um, is in in that you're if you're able to pay uh, a little bit less but still secure it and and one of my business partners has a has a great saying that uh, that the um, that the difference the difference between uh, doing a deal and not doing a deal um, and whether it's a good deal or a great deal is very rarely in the few thousand pounds on the purchase price but you've got to actually be really clear what's the basis of, of your your own valuation uh, and what is that property worth to you today this month absolutely um, and it is it's 100% about running those figures, especially with, with, with an auction, but it applies to every single property or every single deal that you do. You work out what you would pay for that. And you know, it's almost working out what your, your maximum is and then trying to get a discount, not a discount on necessarily the asking price per se, but a discount on the value that you associate with that. And that may well be above what the, uh, the asking price is. Um, so people get obsessed a lot of the time with below market properties, but I think it's, it is exactly like you said, it's working out what that value is to you and to yourself, your business, your goals and your strategy. And that's the important part of it. Yeah. And, and one of the, the things that uh, has really resonated uh, today, Stuart, is that you're, so you're focused down to a, a specific estate. How, how do you get to the point that you've you've uh, you've honed in on a not, not just a, a location but a specific estate that you're going to focus on? Yeah, it, it is it is a bit of bit of work, and you do need to know those areas absolutely inside out. You know, I'd go to the extent of walking the streets. There's a lot of there's a lot of background research that you can do. You can have a look at you know, the, the local plans from town and councils so you can see what infrastructure is, is going to uh, to be implemented. Now, you have a word of warning with, uh, with, with council plans. Um, it's all great them outlining what's going to happen. It's whether it actually happens is the uh, is a crucial bit. We know that that changes a lot of things don't actually get uh, get implemented. Uh, but you want to be looking at, again, you know, property prices, market rents, you know, it's absolutely crucial. And I think it's keeping an eye on that area for a period of time. So market rents, as an example, if you were looking today at a specific area that you're interested, that specific neighborhood, 
it can be quite hard to determine what the rent would actually be because there aren't a great deal of records that you can you can go and see it's not like you know zoopla that tracks you know purchase price and so forth you can see the asking prices of of rents but you don't know what they actually went for so i think keeping an eye on on that area and seeing how um how that develops um is uh, is really really important and drilling down into it you know having a look at google maps as as well that gives you an idea if you're if you're remote you can do a lot of desktop research on on that again it's all about trying to find trying to um, get into that neat once you perhaps found a slightly wider area or two or three areas then you can really start going and, and having a look look at the streets you know speak to agents speak to, to neighbors speak to people in in the area and get a feel for it because there are streets where that's a that's a good street to uh, to go and invest in but the one next door to it is not for whatever reason and you don't want to be that person who thinks that they've got a, a great deal just because you're looking at price and actually you end up buying a bit of a lemon so i think it's there's a lot of work to do in your research to actually get into the right area um, and then you know you just need to keep digging and you know sometimes it does take a bit of time for those properties to work uh, to come up well, Stuart Thomas, um, you're a font of knowledge and uh, I'd love to get you back on for some more good stuff. Um, thanks for coming on My Property World. I'm Will Mallard. Stuart Thomas uh, can be reached at fullcirclemanagement.co.uk. So Stuart, just once again, uh, thank you very much and you're very welcome. My pleasure, Will, and uh, I look forward to speaking to you again in the future. Thank you very much. Cheerio. Cheers. Bye-bye.